You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. the Fulhamish podcast your independent voice of Fulham FC my name's Sammy James welcome to the show and on today's podcast it is a ticket price special I'm sure you'll have seen the news about Fulham's match day ticket prices in the last couple of weeks and so today's podcast is a bit of a deeper dive into all of the finance ticketing issues at Fulham FC at the moment and I'm joined by three chaps who know everything there is to know on this subject between them. First of all, Chair of the Fulham Supporters Trust, Tom Greatrix. How are you doing, Tom? Hi, Sammy. Good to be with you. Archer in touch. Hello. Long time no see on the pod. Hey, Sammy. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. There was a lot of uh, discussions in the last six months trying to find a time to get you on a pod, but I'm, I'm glad that we finally made the stars align and, uh, and Archie's on Fulhamish. I wish it was under better circumstances, but alas, you're here. Uh, and someone who I have no problem getting on Fulhamish, Farrell Monk. <laughs> Hello. Glad to be back. Yeah, welcome back. Nice to see you. Our first uh, pod appearance of the year. Um, so in today's podcast, as I said, this is a bit of a special episode. We're looking at the topic of ticket prices. As you know, this is not the first time. This is not our first rodeo uh, discussing um, this subject. Um, and we've got loads of questions from you guys. We've got some brilliant emails as well. So I want to devote a big section of the pod um, to what you guys have sent in and contributed. I think it's a uh, an issue that if we don't all agree on, I think we're all passionate about it in one way um, or another. Um, So it would be good to get as many differing views from uh, different fans, um, not just in England, but across the world, really. Um, So thank you so much for getting in touch and we'll try to get to as many of those later on. Um, Just before we start the pod, though, um, there has been some actual uh, football uh, this weekend over in Portugal. And um, as we record this, uh, Fulham have played one out of the two of their pre-season games this weekend uh, against uh, Nice. And then obviously tonight they play Benfica. Uh, last night against Nice, uh, Fulham not just won the match, but also won the penalty shootout, which was quite a uh, novel thing to do. Uh, a 2-0 win in the match and then a 3-2 penalty shootout win, um, which is obviously good. Uh, there were some interesting uh, names in the starting line up a few new names as well that uh, I certainly wasn't too aware of but all the headlines Farrell Manor Solomon uh, seemingly uh, watching the match from the stands so uh, it's been the will he won't he saga of the summer uh, I think we can be pretty sure that if he's in a training top and watching the match that uh, even though that transfer is not confirmed Manor Solomon is as good as a Fulham player as as you possibly could be in this scenario yeah, I mean, it was a bit, <laughs> it's a bit funny from the club that it's, it's, you know, they're usually quite tight lipped over transfers and whatnot. And maybe this was a bit of a flex move to, to proudly display that he was probably most definitely going to be a Fulham player. 
in the coming weeks. But it's yeah, a shame yeah, that he the, can't actually get on, can't can't actually get onto the pitch and play in a preseason friendly as yet. Well, we don't know. By the time this comes out, Farrell, we might have all been proven wrong that he uh, actually can play. Uh, I guess we'll wait and see. But yeah, it looks like uh, that signing is pretty much over the line. Much more reaction to everything that happens in Portugal this week on the Thursday Club. And of course, all of the uh, latest uh, transfer gossip as well will be covered in the podcast later in the week. But let's get on to the topic at hand and the ticket prices. Now, we did briefly discuss this in the last podcast, myself, Peter and Jack, but we kind of held off going in detail because we knew we'd had this podcast going. Uh, a quick summary um, of the, the situation. Fulham have published their ticket prices for the opening game of the season, Fulham versus uh, Liverpool on the 6th of August. And the ticket prices uh, range from uh, adults £65 uh, in the Hammersmith end up to £100 in the Riverside stand. Um, you've got juniors uh, paying over £50 uh, for tickets uh, in pretty much all areas of the ground. Um, there are there are eye-watering numbers uh, across the boards, really. Um, there has been a lot of anger amongst the Fulham fan base at these ticket prices. There has been uh, a lot of debates and arguments uh, pretty much everywhere, but especially on Twitter over uh, the justification for this. Um, Tom, I think what's best to start with is the Fulham Sporters Trust. Um, you guys met with the club on Thursday specifically to talk about this issue. The notes aren't out yet, but I wondered if you could give us uh, a bit of insight uh, into how that meeting went. Was there any real explanation from the club as to why they have charged the prices that they have? Yeah, so yeah, we met on Thursday we were we'd asked for a meeting just on this subject, so it was only on this subject. Um, and hopefully, by the time people who are trust members who are listening to this, those notes should be out. So hopefully, you'll be able to to see those. If not, they'll be out very shortly. But we had a a very full and frank exchange of views. I think it's fair to say that um, we expressed not just our disappointment about the fact that there wasn't any uh, meaningful input into consideration of prices, despite all that we went through a few years ago, um, but also that the anger and disappointment and disillusionment that a lot of people are feeling as a result of just those prices, um, way beyond the number of people who are likely ever to be directly affected, given it's only probably about 3,000 tickets we're talking about. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably slightly shocked the club a little bit. Um, Do you think? What we, I, I, think it, I think it has because um, it's not something you could just write. I don't think it's something they think they can just write off. I mean, they were very clear about one thing, which, you know, there's, there's a thing about the strategy, the ticketing strategy, which Fulham have, um, which they call dynamic pricing, which basically means you don't decide what the prices is until they go on sale. So unlike other clubs with different categories or, or firm ticket prices for every game, they don't publish that at the start. They can't, they won't tell us how many categories there are, how much ticket prices are for each category, partly because, you know, the next two games, which will go on sale relatively soon, uh, which are less attractive on the face of it, fixtures, Brentford at home and then Brighton at home and the midweek game in August. The, um, I don't think they know exactly what those prices will be. There's probably a plan. Uh, but they could they could change significantly later in the season, depending on how well we're doing or how, how well we're not doing on how many seats are available. So, um, But I think they certainly felt they've been taken aback a bit by the reaction. Um, we sort of set out, a lot of the things that I'm sure we're going to hear during the course of this discussion that we're about to have around the reasons why people are angry about it and disillusioned, the impact it's going to have on people, particularly 
at this time. And even those of us that are season ticket holders, um, the potential implications for that and, and how that makes you feel as part of a Fulham fan base that's been loyal to the club over many, many years. Um, what we what we said we'd do, and uh, again, we have we've, we're uh, undertaking a detailed survey on not just people's reaction because we certainly we've gauged that pretty effectively, but you know what people's view of what a reasonable price would be, what alternative things could be done, how could you ameliorate it, how could you uh, have a ticketing pricing structure that finds some way of recognising people who are regular attenders but not season ticket holders as opposed to one-off attendees various different options um that survey is now out we encourage everybody from the fulham fan base to respond to that over the course of the next week we will use that and the data from that to back up our arguments in august when we have another meeting with the club to go through that in more detail and that's what we want to do first because the supporters trust is about trying to have meaningful dialogue with the club trying to make sure they understand the perspective and views of supporters and that they uh, make decisions which are in the long-term interest of the club. And we think they haven't done that on this occasion in relation to this. And we want to explore and exhaust opportunities to try to change that first before we decide what to do next. Uh, Archie, I think this is a topic that I really hoped had been uh, laid to rest in the 18-19 season. Um, I hear that Farrell was with you uh, when that news of the ticket prices came out and your face was just one of sheer disappointments uh from from his uh, description just what has been your your thoughts over this past couple of weeks maybe try and sum up your your feelings and emotions because this is something you're so passionate about um as am I as are lots of us but i've seen all your different threads about this this is something that you wholeheartedly believe is wrong so yeah i'll be interested just to get your opening gambit on the ticket price situation and 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 what you feel towards it Farrell can testify that being with me at the moment when he told me what the new ticket prices were was probably something akin to having a small child who then went and sulked for the next three hours (laughs) at least. And it did hit me hard. It hit me hard because I think I am like many other Fulham fans out there, many other football fans out there, in that the football club I support, Fulham, is an extension of me. And when Fulham do good things, I think back to what happened this last season with Reese Porter and the way that the team responded when they clambered over the, the advertising hoardings to go celebrate with him away at Bristol City. I think of the action that was taken after the Millwall home game where they went over the team and management to console and talk to the family of Paul Parrish. Those were human gestures. And I looked at those moments and I was like, this is my club. I am so proud that this is my club. And it works the other way, sadly. It works in reverse when you charge inhuman prices like the club have done with £65 for the cheapest tickets uh, for the Liverpool game, going up to £100 for the Riverside stand. And sure, the tickets have sold out, but it's about what this club stands for. And the problem is, is that currently the good things about Fulham 
and what it stands for, they come from the players. They come from the management. When that's 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 not how it should be. It should be that the club is dictating what are the standards and the values that it stands for. And I have heard too much PR BS from Shahid Khan, uh, wh- whether it's in the interview he did in The Athletic or in the uh, interview he did on the club website, just not just there, but over the years. And consistently, I hear people at Fulham talking about, above all, being sustainable. And this action is not sustainable for Fulham Football Club, for, for us as a fan group, because of all the numerous things that it does. We are in the midst of a cost of living crisis in England, and you are sending this message out being like, well, we don't care. Like, we'll, we'll charge this much for a ticket. And the reason why it's so inhumane for me is because the, the, the loudest elephant in the room is the statistic that we know about how much you get if you finish bottom of the table, which sadly is, is a prospect that we have to deal with as Fulham fans yeah. in the Premier League. You get, Norwich got last season, £98 million. If you finished a couple of places above them, uh, a club, a smaller club than us, like Brentford, for example, you would get 21 million more. And you're telling me that for the sake of what would be from the figures that I've seen of what the difference makes to charge this much more, you're telling me that it's worth it to alienate our fans, to drive away new fans who might want to get on board. Because let's not forget, you don't become, you're, you're, you are not born a season ticket holder. You become a season ticket holder. You get a taste of it and then you go. And the fact is for these big games, when Marco Silva, who made the point after, I think it was the Luton game or the Preston game towards the end of last season, being like, we need the fans to be with us like this. And you're willing to sacrifice that for a little bit more money. It makes no sense because you just you're showing on so many levels that you don't get the way football support works in England. You don't get the way the atmosphere works, and you think that we're all blind to the fact of how much money is there from TV revenue. And for me, it is about that signal that it sends of us as Fulham, as a fan base, and we have this reputation of being family friendly, but this is not family friendly. And I just worry for where the club is going when it is just, it is lying. Like it has, it has lied to uh, the supporters trust when it said it had this, if, if you've read up, you will have seen the memorandum of understanding that has been there. And it's been so underhand in the way it's gone about its business. And I don't like that, Sammy, because that's not the football club that I want to support. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more, Archie. It's really, really sad. And that day when the t- ticket prices came out, I, I, I fully empathised. I actually was like, I just, it was something that made me feel a lack of love for the club. And it, it's so hard to make me do that where I just was like, oh, actually, I'm actually not that excited for this season anymore. I suddenly lost so much enthusiasm that had been built up over last season. And instantly you just go, oh, just felt, I genuinely felt disappointed, just really, really disappointed in something that you love. And, and when you love something, when they do something to hurt you, it hurts more. Um, and, and I can only, I can only agree with that feeling that I had on that Friday of just really like, oh, Fulham, you've, you've 
really taking the biscuit here. Um, Farrell, there are obviously counter arguments to this point. Now I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate today. I think everyone knows my position on, on the ticket prices, but I'm going to try be as devil's advocate as I can, because there will be people listening who want to ask these questions. And I went on TalkSport on Friday and it was a bit of a basket case of an interview, not a great um, platform for debate, but I felt it important to at least put the message out there or at least counter argue uh, some of the points that were being made. I, I thought Simon Jordan had a, had a few. No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, Fulham have reasonable season ticket prices. I think we can all be agreed on that. Riverside, apart from that, that the thousand pound ticket prices in the Riverside was was very, very high. But overall, the season ticket prices are pretty reasonable. Is there any justification for the high individual ticket prices because that the season tickets are so reasonable? Not necessarily. I think the I think the argument that we keep seeing from Messers Jordan and, and other people. And like we saw in the Athletic article with the, the interview with Shai Khan was that, well, we need all those all that money to compete in the Premier League. But I think it comes down to the fact that they just need to make better decisions. And the fact that they can say, well, we'll spend £10 million on that player or £20 million on that player, or we'll spend X, you know, tens of that, if not hundreds of thousands of pounds, a play, uh, of pounds a week on a certain player um, to compete but then coming up with the solution to that is to charge the fans more when actually the effect it will have of these raised ticket prices is very minimal, like a few million pounds a year, um, just shows that the contempt that the ownership and the management have for the fans themselves, that they'll be like, oh, don't worry if that, if that player will score X amount of money, the, the fans will pick up the bill for our decisions. And if we go down and all of those players lose value again and then the club make a huge amount of loss again, then it's going to be the fans that are picking up the, picking up the pieces once more. And they're expecting us to sort of keep coming back and keep forking out money for it. I think it's just, it just shows how little they view the fans that have been coming for so long. Um, and that now that we've seen the success of the last year, which was magnificent, now they feel like, well, we don't need you anymore. We'll get new fans in who are willing to pay pay the money. It was that point that Simon Jordan actually made about how, okay, it's the uh, it's the season ticket holders that they should value the most. Uh, but for whatever reason, there are so many uh, fans out there, whether it be economic, whether it be social, whether it be loads of other reasons that they aren't able to get a season ticket. He was saying, well, it doesn't matter because you can't pay the money for it. So therefore, if you're not, you're not, you need to be rich enough to follow this football club and you need to be wealthy enough to be able to be valued by our management. If not, you're, you're just not worth, you're not, we don't want you. And I just think that's not, again, that's not really the club that we want to support. That's not the club that the fans want to be a part of. And, you know, especially with the current situation that we have with the cost of living crisis, Again, it's like read the room, guys. This is such a quick. This is such a a quick, easy PR win, and we know how much the the Khans love PR, and they completely got it wrong on the situation. And they should not be. They should not have been surprised by the negative and angry reaction that we've seen from a wide section of the fan base. 
Tom, were you surprised that they've done this? I just felt like we all knew that this was the real litmus test of ticket prices because since the protests in the anger in 1819, there's been two championship seasons and one season in the Premier League, which was behind closed doors. This was the litmus test as to what really our level of ticket prices was at. Are you surprised that they've gone down this road, that they didn't just think... Oh man, we got a load of stick for this in in eighteen nineteen. Let's maybe just stay. Let's let's, let's stay modest on on these ticket prices. There is also an element of the fact that because Liverpool was the first game and they've only released the prices for that, it has shown the extreme price first. It's almost like they had to reveal their full hand on what they wanted to charge first. If Fulham's first match had been Brighton at home, then potentially this wouldn't have been quite as severe as it has been for them. And and Farrell says that the Khans love PR. And and yeah, I get the Khans do, but it seems like the club don't care that this is going to blow up in their faces. But I guess, as you said before, they have been slightly surprised by that reaction. Well, you know, the club will say and have said that their, their, approach has been for a number of years that we have a larger proportion than some clubs of season tickets. We've already acknowledged and we have, and the trust has done and uh, has campaigned on this in that, you know, season tickets in most of the ground are a reasonable price. And there are some very good value child season tickets for exactly those reasons about, you know, attracting people in. But then, you know, the club will say and have said that, but that means that we, you know, we charge more for the match by match tickets. Um, now, that in itself isn't necessarily uh, anything wrong with it, but it's the level of what you charge for the match tickets, which I think is the issue here. Um, and when you think about it, last season in the in the championship, for the seats, a seat, just a standard seat in the Hammersmith end, um, you were paying either 35 or £30, pounds, depending on which fixture it was, because they were slightly different. But 30, 35 is the most you paid for that see any game and a couple, a couple of games were, were, were lower than that I think it was 25 pounds and Reading was 20 but say 35 pounds was the most you pay for that the most you pay for the same seat this season is 65 pounds now people might expect that going from the championship to the premiership there would be an increase but to almost double that price and assume that that with everything else that's going on in the world at the moment that that is something that people can afford it's not just people moaning about it people have said to us look I just can't afford it. There's no way that I can afford that price. And I think that's the thing um, that they've missed. And this is a, something which is massive, has a massive impact on people, but a relatively small impact on the club. It's actually nowhere near as, as much even than we've already suggested. If, look, if you think about it, there's of the, of the capacity that's not season ticket holders plus away fans, You've probably got about three-ish, three thousand-ish when you take out the five hundred family tickets, which are thirty pounds for adults, twenty pounds for kids, in two blocks of Stevenage Road. But you need to go with a kid. So if you take those to the side, there's about three thousand tickets that this pricing structure refers to. If you look at Crystal Palace's prices, who are a similar size club, similar size ground, and with the exception of the Riverside Stand, similar type of accommodation. Our ticket pricing on a Category A type game, because their first home game is uh, against Arsenal, so similar category, are about £15 more expensive than the cheapest ticket. They're uh, £35 more expensive for the most expensive ticket, but £15 of a standard behind the goal seat. So £3,000, £15 over 19 games doesn't get you even close to a million pounds. That's the difference in revenue to the club at the end of this, of, of the difference between having something which is 
on a par with equivalent type club in the Premier League, as opposed to what that that using that um, uh, the structure that we've seen so far for Liverpool game. Now, when you think about it, last season Fulham spent more than ten million pounds on agents' fees, higher than all the rest of the Championship clubs. Um, if we were in the Premier League last season, that would have been about halfway up in terms of the amount spent on agents' fees. So it's not; it's about where and how you spend your money and resources as a club. If you finish, I'm a bit more optimistic than Archie. If you finish 16th rather than 17th, that's 2.2 million. That's the difference. So this has almost, you know, it's a minuscule impact on the overall position of financial fair play. So when people make that suggestion that, well, this is to keep within financial fair play, it's different. It makes a difference, but at the margins, absolutely at the margins to that. But it makes a massive difference to the supporters who, for whatever reason, don't have a season ticket, might want to go to five or six games a season and typically would do so, but feel like looking at those prices, they can't afford to. And when you think about next season, whether we're in the Premier League or the Championship next season, we will have about 26 and a bit thousand home tickets to sell. You know, we're going to have to actually fill, try to fill that ground. And doing that straight after you've alienated a number of people by that pricing, I think is just so short-sighted. So I don't think it's about being greedy I think necessarily. I think it, it might appear that, but I don't think it's greedy as much as just short-sighted. And that is something which there is an opportunity, I think, for the club to correct that. And we'll be trying to make sure they do, we, we can do everything we can to uh, put uh, influence and pressure on them to make sure they do correct that for the rest of the fixtures this season. Tom mentions the agent fees there that they're paying and just how minuscule an amount it is to the club in terms of what the gain is for those few thousand tickets that we're talking about here. And that's what I really can't get my head around in comparison, in, in relation even to the the TV money that that we've discussed. But also this going back to talking about the club being more sustainable and the argument I hear of, well, you know, we need to make as much as possible um, and and really uh, get the most and capitalize on on the revenue streams. The thing is, why should fans have to pay for the club's errors in recruitment? And I say that not just in terms of misfiring signings, but I mean the amount of money that the club is taking in in transfers because Tom talks about sides who are on our on our similar level here. And I think that it would be fair to say the likes of Norwich, Watford, Southampton, Palace, these are clubs that we want to see ourselves on a level with in in the future or right now in terms of in the past. And if you look at the business that Fulham have done on the tra- uh, in, in the transfer market, we take in significantly less on our players than those clubs do. I mean, I have figures in euros, such as the uh, price of living in Germany. (laughs) Um, But you look at, for example, that since the 16-17 season, Southampton have taken in 323 million euros on players they've sold. You look at Norwich, it's over 175 million. Watford, nearly 200 million. Palace, 125. Fulham, just creeping over the 100 million mark. And you have to be, you have to be more long term in how you're thinking 
So when I hear them say sustainable, I might, but are you not seeing what you're doing in the transfer market? How can you, how can you not be, be getting more out of that before you then go and say, ah, yeah, but we need to, we need to raise tra- uh, the, the ticket prices, let alone, by the way, to mention what our, our dear neighbors in red and white have done in terms of the amount of money that they've got in from, from transfers. Focus on that first and getting that completely right and not being arrogant in the way that you are saying, we've not made mistakes in this area. And, and that's an area that also infuriates me with the way that the club talk. I don't have a problem with, with making mistakes. Okay. It's going to happen. It will happen in football. And particularly when you are up against the, the, the next elite level of money that you're working up against in, in the top six. What I have a problem with is how they, they talk to the fans. As I experienced when I was on the Supporters Trust Board myself and their unwillingness to admit to mistakes. And I don't think like the club are not doing themselves any favors in that regard. Like I am much less inclined to, to respect them and their opinions when they can never admit that they've done something wrong. And it's why the, yeah, the initial reaction from, from what I've seen of, of the meeting, I'm not surprised that there's been no pushback, sadly, in terms of, well, oh, you know what, we might've got this wrong. And this speculation on, oh, we're, we're just going to see what the fans, how the fans react to this. We're not guinea pigs. We're humans. We're, we are meant to be just like them. So treat us with that same level of respect and honesty. That's what the fans deserve in the future. And stop talking about sustainability when they can't get the, their transfer strategy into a, into a tighter place. And, it, and I think on top of that as well, it's a case of, again, that sustainability thing. As we've, you know, they're pumping, they're investing a lot of money into the football club. It's not just the transfers. It's not just the Riverside stand that's costing £151 million and probably rising. Um, and then pushing that sustainability agenda those two things just don't go hand in hand the way that um this ownership seem to be running the club like a lot of other ownerships run a a lot of other clubs is a sense that they're trying to bank on the fact that the asset of the club will continue to grow in value to eventually sell on at a profit at a later date um and they just don't care about the losses year by year which is a totally normal thing to do and we've seen it uh, with other clubs, but a lot of times it just doesn't work. All it needs is for um, Mr. Khan to go, well, I'm done with this now. I now want to cash out and then they'll stop investing money and then they will, and then that investment will stop. And then ultimately it will, it's the club and the fan base that will suffer as a result. We've seen it with Derby recently. We've seen it in the past with places like Darlington, uh, a lower profile. We saw it with Russian and Diamonds many years ago as well. Um, and, you know, it's it's a case of, you know, those people pumped lots of money into the club to try and improve it. It didn't work. And then all of a sudden there's a fire, fire sale of lots and lots of assets. They try and sort of get rid of as many players, staff, facilities, uh, lack of investment in facilities ultimately means that the club fails and that the fans that are that are suffering as a result. And as we've seen also, to pick up on a previous point that Tom made as well, that the ticket prices have almost pretty much doubled in over the summer, have the facilities, apart from the Riverside stand, actually improved in that time? No. I mean, we we don't see more toilets. We don't, you know, there's been a, 
a complete lack of investment in the, the provision of female toilets, as we've uh, relayed to the club. There was that walk around uh, with the stadium that some of the trust board members did last week because we've been talking to the club about the facilities and what's been, you know, how the, the stadium is managed. And there are all these small little fixes that they could do, you know, installing proper segregation into the Putney end between away fans and home fans. It won't cost the world for them to actually uh, put some, you know, invest in that and make the fans a bit happy and, you know, justify high ticket costs. But they won't do that because that costs money and that won't actually um, stop other people from buying tickets. No, that's one thing that I I think gets lost here. And because it's Fulham and a posh part of London, I I feel like some people seem to think it's a justification for the prices. It's we don't have Spurs' ground, nor do I think that if we did have Spurs' ground that any of these prices are justified anyway. But you see how subpar it is behind the Hammersmith end. And then to charge £65 um, for the pleasure of standing in a puddle of piss at half-time um, is, is quite um, jaw-dropping, um, almost arrogance, really, isn't it? That, that fans will pay it for it and they don't mind if they don't invest at the same time. And we're going to take a break there. I really want to get into uh, some of the questions uh, that we've got from you guys on Twitter and email. So we'll take a break there and then we'll go to those next. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast is Sammy James here with Tom Greatrix, Archer in Tut and Farrell Monk on a ticket price special. Now, so many questions coming in on Twitter and email. Uh, they'll want to get to as many of them as possible. Probably not going to get to all of them, but thank you for getting in touch uh, if you have. Uh, first question, I'm going to go to uh, Mike Gregg. Uh, Tom, you briefly touched on this, but you might just want to emphasize the points uh, again. He said, would be good to know if it's been worked out how much extra the club will make per game and over the season with their prices for non-season tickets. Just back of fag packet figures, not the easiest thing to say, may help those who use the argument it subsidises season tickets to understand that it really doesn't. Yeah, well, I mean, there are lots of ways you can you can look at this. Um, but, you know, approximate figures, rough figures, um, if all the way through the season, as is with the case for a Category A in first game, is 10, 15 pounds more than Crystal Palace, about 3,000 tickets. You know, the difference between those two levels over the course of 19 league games is around about £600,000. So it's in that ballpark. So it's nowhere near, um, it's you know probably just over about a third of the difference between two league finishes, two places league finish. So, you know, if your goal difference is slightly better than someone else and you finish 16th rather than 17th, that's worth much more to you than this over the course of a season. So it really isn't the case that unless we're operating right at the very, very edges, this is going to make any sort of difference to falling foul of financial fair play rules, for example. It really isn't. And that's the, you know, when that's used as the as the justification, just look at the numbers. It just doesn't stack up as an explanation. Archie, I want to come to you on this one. This is a difficult question and I apologise potentially for throwing you under the bus, but he says, what is your ideal max ticket price? This is from Thomas, by the way. He said, how many tickets should be made strictly available to locals or nearby Fulham fans at a fair price? And how could it be distinguished who is eligible for them? Um, And what do you think about um, Premier League fans and away fans buying home tickets? So I guess there's a couple of questions in here, but let's start off with the first one, which is the ideal max ticket price. Now, 
I think it's particularly interesting coming from you with all your Bundesliga knowledge and experience and um, obviously uh, ticket prices over where you are in Germany are a lot fairer. Now, England is not Germany and there are um, Correct. distinct differences. <laughs> but um, I, yeah, I'm interested to hear what you, it, let's say you get the job tomorrow of CEO at Fulham. Um, I mean, I'd love to see it. Um, what would you be charging if that was uh, your first meeting of the day to reset the ticket price structure at Fulham? He did say my club earlier, so maybe he already is. Yeah, he knows. <laughs> I think that when it comes to the ticket prices, we've seen an acknowledgement in the last few years of what a fair ticket price is from the clubs by the fact that they accepted a £30 limit for away tickets in the Premier League. That for me was finally them getting on the fans' levels and being like, you know what? We accept that given how much money is made elsewhere, we only need to charge £30 for away fans because for God's sake, we aren't half raking in the money from TV revenue elsewhere and and the rest of it. So I think that that as a base price, it should not, I, I really start to shiver a bit when I see anything over £45 for a game. I, I think that that is, that is too much given the money that, that is in the game. And, you know, for like for a for a special game for for going to Wembley and that paying a bit more makes more sense but just for the amount of money that is in the game i don't think that going north of of 50 pounds is really in touch with people and and also i think you just have to look at how much like for, for me the first thing that you should be looking at when it comes to a ticket price is what is the local climate what is the national climate with what's going on with how people are doing. Because football is meant to be for people, not, not, just for, not, not just for, as the club are pushing it towards, an elite band of people. And given that people in the UK this coming winter are going to have to choose between heating and eating, it's a frightening position to see a club so out of touch with what is going on right now. So that way, that's why it's for me, it's more along those lines. But for people, if we're being honest, they'll, they'll think it should be less than that. To, to your second question about away fans being in home end, that for me is where I think it would be good to look at, you know, your booking history of being able to help people out who have been to home games over the years against teams where, you know, it's not the most glamorous fixture and they're there on a Tuesday night and those people should be being rewarded for for their commitment and being able to to have a have a chance. But the problem is with you you are increasing the the likelihood of away fans in home ends, the higher like particularly for these big games, the higher up you you push the price because a Liverpool fan who lives in London, his chances to go see Liverpool are limited. Like you're you're going to knock on the door. Believe you me, I've had a couple of Liverpool mates who've been like, all right. And it's like, oh, where have you been? Okay, yes, I, I forgot. Fulham are in the Premier League again. Um, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've blocked those requests, I should say, as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to, their, uh, to, to their dismay. <laughs> um, and, and the point is, is that like, 
I've 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 been that away fan in a home end in England, and it's it's an awkward experience. But I think that you have to respect you have to respect the way that things are in the UK. And as a Fulham fan, uh, I I used to have to go with my godfather uh, to uh, to the Chelsea away game, which was a very painful experience on many levels. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because of what the result would be, but also for the few times that we did score of having to sit on my hands and see the away end go wild. The biggest, the biggest point for me is that we don't want it happening, but the higher you stick the price up, the more you are increasing the chance of that happening. And to come back to the earlier point, the more you are doing in your own side's chances of succeeding in the game, because that's one less person who's cheering for you. Yeah. Simple. Uh, Tom, you wanted to come in here? Yeah, just, I mean, look, obviously the Bundesliga isn't the Premier League, but, you know, thankfully Fulham's not Hounslow. And it pains me to say this, but when you look at the uh, the ticket prices that Brentford have across the whole of the season, they're equivalent to our £65 for the Liverpool game behind the goal is um, £45 for Category A, £40 for Category B. Their most expensive ticket is £65. They've got a similar type of proportion of season ticket holders to available capacity, although the overall capacity is smaller because it's a smaller club, obviously. But, you know, all of those things give you an indication. £30 for away fans is a result of a long-standing campaign, which also takes into account the fact that you've got to travel to get there. So I don't think it necessarily would be exact, should be exactly the same. And people will argue your season ticket gives you a ticket which is equivalent to £30, roughly, a bit less per fixture. But you know, getting getting around that sort of the, the Brentford ticket prices, the Palace ticket prices are probably of an area of a, in an area which is broadly acceptable for a lot of people. Um, the 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 uh, family tickets um, which do exist, you know, they they're an opportunity for some people. Then not everybody is able to be able to take take advantage of those. Um, and this whole thing about away fans in home areas, just think about in the Putney end. If you're an away fan, you're paying £30. If you're a home fan in the same end, you're not a member, you're paying £70 for exactly the same seat across the other side of a bit of netting. You might find, actually, you might have a problem of um, home fans in the away end because it's half less than half the price. It's a ridiculous difference between those two ticket prices, which is, I think just brings this into focus. Um, and and that, that's where it's wrong. And that's where I hope that when the, the ticket prices for other fixtures come out there's a there's a much better balance but you know in terms of what the number should be be really interested as a trust in people's views on that the survey that i mentioned before there are questions about that in there please do take part in that survey and get everyone you know who's a fulham fan to do so as well because that will be an important bit of data and evidence base for when we talk to the club um what i find particularly funny about this situation is there is kind of like a, a, a scale of price acceptability. And let's say all of our base ticket prices were £30 for the Liverpool game. That would be something I'd be like, wow, I, this is really impressive that my club is, uh, you know, offering such reasonable ticket prices. And then there's obviously what we've got. It wouldn't actually be that much less just for the club to not have any crap. Like there's a level as well that the club maybe 10, 10 pounds, 15 pounds, where probably it would be such a level you'd be like, that's expensive, but it's hard to, I'm not, I'm not going to get the banners out. (laughs) It's what's kind of mad is that actually the club doesn't need to go too much under what they are right now. And they wouldn't have everyone giving them crap about it. That's what I find most astonishing where they actually, 
they could get away with it if they just weren't almost so blatant um, by this point. Um, I mean, literally trying to do daylight robbery with with some of these prices that they're charging. And Farrell, this is an interesting one that I fully agree with from Curran that I don't think it's been mentioned too much yet. He says, surely the new stand and more corporate slash hospitality was meant to keep Premier League ticket prices fair and reasonable. Unfortunately, this hasn't happened, but are these prices only for one season because the new stand is only partially open? Thanks. Uh, Clearly, that's their strategy with the Riverside stand. It was not so that they could increase the capacity by three or 4,000. I think that was an added benefit. But really, we know that the reason behind the Riverside stand was non-match day revenue. And I'm here for it. Whatever. If you want to put a swimming pool on the top, if you want to have a health club open, then if you want to charge um, £5,000 a year, um kind of Soho house membership sounds like the kind of style that they're doing uh, to get access to the gym at Craven Cottage, then you've got every right to chance your arm. But that was the thing for me is I really thought that was their point with the Riverside stand. And therefore it could almost subsidize some of the ticket prices because they would be making the big money elsewhere with the Riverside stand. Again, it's just another case of being a bit short-sighted. We're, we're a season away. Just like, just keep a lid on it. Yeah. And I think, um, it's very similar to the sort of extent that Liverpool did with their brand spanking new stand. I don't know how much it cost, but it was probably, you know, in the similar yeah. ballpark of the Riverside stand. And I think I read somewhere, I heard somewhere that that stand alone provides 75% of their uh, match day or stadium revenue for the wow. entirety of Anfield. And um, that's, you know, that's a good way of looking at it because you know, in the, I think that Liverpool fans did do a similar sort of, uh, they had a protest because they had raised ticket prices in the rest of the stadium, despite they had this brand's banking new stand and the, the, um, the club did relent on that. And now they have, uh, uh, reasonable ticket prices. I don't have them to hand. I don't know what they are, but obviously Fulham looked at that and thought, okay, that's the way we want to go down. We're going to build this brand new stand and get all the hospitality and try and eke out as much as, uh, people as possible uh, money as possible from prospective new wealthy fans and there's two things here to that one is the is and I'll, I'll refer to the the athletic piece again because Khan goes on to um about how well in this league you have to you have the FFP rules to comply with so how do we increase revenue uh the Riverside stand is there to serve the community change the riverscape of London in a good way and produce game day revenue that can be invested everything is about how we can get revenue to comply with these rules and invest in a squad. A small, ambitious club has to have a different approach than the one of the bigger clubs. That's where you're going to be successful and sustainable and obviously come back to that sustainable uh, message again. The thing that I can see that we're doing differently from Liverpool is we're actually still charging monstrous prices in the rest of the stadium, which is different to potentially Liverpool in this in this particular scenario. And if that's if that's the different way that they're doing it, um, which comes on to the second thing, which of all these things that I find is quite annoying, is that I I personally don't mind this whole tourist thing, this whole trying to get different fans in and what on getting more fans in, especially with an increased capacity that we will see when the whole Riverside sand is open. It's the replacement of existing fans that won't be able to go anymore. We're no longer an inclusive club. We're now an exclusive club, which is not a nice football club and not a nice atmosphere to be in. Sammy, even the even the 
ticket pricing strategy in, in the Riverside and what they did with the £1,000 season ticket there. That, that left a real sour taste in my mouth. And it still does because you build a stand, you make a big show of, of building this new stand and saying to everyone, like, isn't it amazing that we've got this this stand now for us and we've moved out everyone who was in it, which was, it was the the most expensive place to sit in the stadium before, okay? But nevertheless, like, you know, I know this because of, like, my dad. Like, he used to sit, uh, somewhere towards the away fans uh, in in the Riverside, and he and the people who sit around him have made the decision that because they'd have to pay double the price to go back in there now, they're like no chance. So how can it be that you have a ticket pricing strategy, a season ticket price strategy in this case, where you build this this great thing, you this this very impressive structure, and and you basically go to the fans, oh yeah, it's great, isn't it? I mean, you can look, but you can't touch, like. I don't think it's it's a good message. I think that also you need noise coming from all parts of the ground. You only have to look at what happened at Arsenal. Um, uh, a few, I don't know, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit back now. But the fact is, in, and at Chelsea, the the fans who the, the fans who pay the most, they don't tend to to really sing much or do much or support their team. It's a fact. Like you, yeah. you look at the way that Premier League support has gone, and how how the the higher the ticket price is, the more I'd, I'd say the the less raucous the atmosphere as well. And I think that it's it's dangerous. It's a dangerous precedent to set. And also, the the, the thing with this is is the same thing with the general ticket pricing. The club will do this now. But if you think that they won't then come for you next, you're you're underestimating the situation. It it crept up at like it, we, we were talking about this four years ago. It's come back round again, and it's the same reason why it's important that we take action as Fulham fans about this now because you don't know what other club it's going to come on the doorstep to uh, to to be knocking on the doorstep of next time. It's important that we send a signal to owners of other football clubs as well that this is not acceptable, that football is for your average person as well and not just for an elite group of people and that it remains accessible to people not based on what their income is. And that's what disappoints me with the Riverside is that your actual average Fulham supporter, what are the chances of them watching a game from that stand? You talk about the the amenities and how poor they are in the rest of the stadium. What's the chance of a Fulham supporter who's been going for however many years of them actually enjoying that new stand? And the chances are, the truth is very low. Uh, Tom, I want to come on to memberships and I'm going to get there with this email from David Nicholson. Uh, He says, hi, Fulhamish. Um, I'm writing to you uh, about the ticket pricing. I'm a member of the FST and he actually messaged uh, the FST uh, last week. He says, I live in the Lake District and often travel with work. So my capacity to attend home games is limited. Last season, I was able to see away games at Blackpool, Preston, Blackburn, Man City and Borough. All reasonably 
all reasonably priced and only one home game, which was the stinker against Coventry. The latter cost me and my son something like £200 in rail tickets, food, etc. So the notion that I'm going to do that and pay £65 to £70 on top of that for tickets is really poor. I've renewed my membership, in brackets felt expensive, and can, I hope, look forward to some away games after Christmas. But I just want to echo Sammy's expression of doubt about devotion to the club. I've been a fan since the 70s, seen all the highs and lows, have indoctrinated my two kids, but this does just feel greedy. I realise that I'm quite privileged that I can get to games, but I hope the club will rethink its approach. Uh, That's best wishes from David. Now, for me, Tom, I felt like the membership offer, I I didn't like it. The whole paying £50 for a membership seems very high when what you get is £5 off matches. So you have to go to 10 games before you even see a return on that £50. If you're going to 10 games, I mean, you're getting into the realms of you might as well just get a season ticket if you're going to that many matches. And for then the ticket prices to be as expensive as they are, I mean, paying £50 to save £5 off a £70 ticket does feel like one hell of a scheme. And and I would be pretty livid if I'd bought my membership and then seen those prices. And I imagine the FST must have had a, a complaint or two about it. Yeah, I mean, look, £5 off a £35 ticket price is very different from £5 off a 65 or £70. Um, uh, it's one of the things which we're, we're asking people about, you know, about whether that should be a percentage um, discount, for example, and different things. I mean, the club would say to you, but you're, you know, you get other privileges like you get the next level of priority for away tickets. So for that example, you know, being able to get tickets for some of those away games may be a benefit you get from your membership. But, um, you know, overall, it, I, we've had a lot of people who feel that, you know, it went up from 40 to 50 pounds. They knew when they paid 50 pounds, the discount would be five pounds. What they didn't know was that for at least one fixture and possibly you know, five or six or however many, that that, that was five pounds off sixty-five pounds. I suspect people probably thought it might be five pounds or fifty pounds or something like that. Yeah. Which makes it a very, very different proposition. The club, um, we asked about this uh this week and we asked about because people are contacting us who wanted to get refunds because looking at the prices, they're not going to buy tickets. So why do they have a membership? The club won't be refunding people, they've said, um, in that position. Although I think that's something which we may uh, may find that we come we come back to. But yeah, you know, the other thing is that you said, you know, well, you buy 10, if you buy 10 before you get your money back, effectively, you might as well have a season ticket. You've got to remember the season ticket's sold out. So yeah. you maybe couldn't. No, no, no. We've had quite a few like messages. You could have got a season ticket. You know, there was a, uh, now that'll be different next season, which comes back to the real point about this. You know, the, the, to me, this looks, you know, the, um, the sort of thinking is, is very, very short-term. And that means the decisions are short-sighted. But what that means is that the fans, the people that get short-changed, you've got to get that right for the rest of the season and for next season if you want, if as Fulham, you want to rectify this situation. If it was for a season as well, say it. Like, it's not hard to communicate. I, if, if, that, if there was a strategy, but it's so, it's so opaque you just don't know with the club and that that after uh, after the campaign that that uh, Fulhamish helped to run um in in 2019 i think it was uh the yeah. last time that there was this issue with the ticket prices that they didn't listen to that and thought that 
post-pandemic, when everybody is worse off after this, that they thought it would go away, it shows a special kind of naivety. Bordering on arrogance, really, isn't it? But it is. It's not bordering. It is. It's naive. Yeah. It's arrogant. Full stop. Let's see what the ticket prices for the next two games are. I think that might give us um, a bit of cl- a bit of a better clue about where the average over the course of the season will be, and therefore um, where we need to uh, try to use every different method we've got available to us to ensure we don't that the Liverpool ticket pricing is a one-off rather than something that becomes the norm. Um, mm-hmm. Now, at the moment, to be to be frank about it, I'm. I'm open-minded as to where that will end up being. It might not actually be as bad as it seems because of they've only published one. Our argument to the club last week was you should publish them all as other clubs have done so you know exactly where you stand. And if you're somebody who might say, I want to get to four or five games, look at what the prices are, make your judgments around which ones you'll aim to go to if that's your situation amongst that sort of 3,000 capacity. Not doing that leaves it open. However, what that also does, it leaves it open for the club to improve this situation and get themselves out of this hole. Let's see if they do it. Um, Farrell, uh, Ross McSweeney comes on to the point about the extended capacity. Um, he says, by the way, hi, Sammy and team. Had a season ticket for 20 years, but I relocated to the USA. Still aiming to get to four to five games. And whilst I'm angered by the ticket prices, they won't stop me going. But by the time I factored in flight costs and stuff, uh, it's still pretty expensive. He goes on to say, what happens when we get back to a full extended capacity? What happens if and when the Premier League novelty wears off? Mid-table mediocrity sounds great now, but we've seen that in the past, attendance has waned over time. It appears the club are exploiting the 20% non-season ticket holders for short-term game because they can. Can this strategy survive when we're looking at 30% or 40%? Do the clubs think hiking prices will push more people towards season tickets or could we be in a situation where we cannot fill the ground? You have to look at a 30,000 seated stadium and Fulham last season in a reduced capacity, yes I know it's the championship, did not sell out the stadium that many times. Towards the end of the season, yes, we started to sell out games, loose and sold out, Preston sold out, I believe. We weren't playing that well though, Sammy, were we? (laughs) No, no, it was a pretty poor season. We were struggling to score goals, I think. Um, So, I mean, Ross makes a good point that 30,000 is a lot of seats. We're we're only 30 years ago, we didn't have nowhere near the amount of fans to, to fill that. And yes, we might be able to fill it for the big six games, but even non-big six games in the Premier League, 30,000 attendants at Fulham, I'm yet to believe that we can do it week in, week out. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've got to totally agree with that. And I think this is where that short-sightedness comes from. You know, when you're increasing the capacity by another sort of, uh, another three, 4,000 people up to 30,000, you need continuous consistent new fans coming in to fill that week in week out when you know hopefully we have mid-table mediocrity in the Premier League um going forward for the next few years at least um are our new regular fans going to turn up week in week out paying 70 pounds or 100 pounds in the rest of the Riverside stand going forward I, I mean I, I can speculate and say probably not um but I think that then if they continue with this pricing strategy, the club, they they might think, well, if we've if we've got if we've raised this amount of money using this pricing method for this season, and it's going to be the maximised revenue that they would love to see by charging sixty five to one hundred pounds per game, 
and attendances wane next year, they might come for fans in different ways. And we might see as a knock-on effect uh, your season ticket prices previously well-valued now now being raised in that way. And that's how they might make up the revenue shortfall there. And this is why, uh, and then that might turn off other other fans. And then we might see the knock-on effect that we don't have necessarily a sustainable football club. We don't have a sustainable fan base either. Yeah. Um, a, a couple more questions, because I appreciate that we're uh, running quite long here, uh, gents. Um, Tony Montgomery, uh, Tom asks, I'm a season ticket holder in the Hammersmith end who can't make the Liverpool game as it's my son's wedding. The club have referred to an official ticket exchange. Who are these tickets sold to and how can I be sure they don't find their way into the hands of a tout? Would hate if it got to uh, an away fan. Now, my understanding, Tom, is that generally the ticket exchange as well is that the club will sell that ticket uh, that's a season ticket that let's say is an average of £30 a game. They will sell that at full cost price. That will be £65 and the club will keep the profit between the, you know, yes, Tony will get some money back for his seat, but the club will get a hell of a lot more. Yeah, I think that's right. I don't know the exact details, but I think of the numbers, but that's broadly right. They'll they'll effectively credit you the proportional cost of that ticket as a proportion of your season ticket, and then they will sell it at the price that they've advertised. Um, and they will they will go in the same uh, – the, the, any that comes with a ticket exchange will be available to members first, then season ticket holders, then general sale. So the likelihood is that that ticket, uh, if you use the ticket exchange, will go to someone who is either a member or a season ticket holder. But as we know, you know, just because you're a member doesn't mean you're a Fulham fan, doesn't mean you're not a Tauti or not an away fan who might go to one game a season to watch your team and will happily pay the membership fee plus the ticket price because that's the one football game you go to live in the season to see your team. So, you know, that whether or not it's a, an away fan um, is difficult to say, um, even if it's done through the club's ticket exchange, I suspect. And we did talk to the club a bit about, you know, what, what they'll do and what they can do about away, obvious away fans in the, in the home areas at that game and at other games this season. Um, what did they say, or did they uh, just? Say well, there's things like, for example, if if uh, you can, uh, obviously identifiable as away fans, um, if they know the seat numbers, then if those tickets have been bought via members, they will rescind those memberships and any others at the same address. Um, where people have bought them through third party sites, which quite often happens, um, in the there have been examples where um, the club have effectively help the people get refunds via uh, credit cards for in exchange for information about who they got them from. So there are things you can do, um, you can try to do, um, and it's going to be an issue, frankly, on that game, I, I think. You know, the club said to us, well, you don't know that all the people buying those tickets aren't, aren't um, Fulham fans. I suspect we'll be able to tell pretty quickly, um, probably within the first 20 minutes, I suspect, uh, whether or not that's the case on, on that day. Um, but you know it's going to be a problem that game. It'll be a problem for a for a handful of other games as well, I'm sure. Um, so there are things you can do, but the ticket exchange is probably the best way if you can't get to a game. You've got a season ticket to be able to um, to be able to pass a ticket on. I suspect. Yeah, um, it is really quite frustrating, and and I think quite a lot of the away fans in the home end section goes back to the fact that I don't think Fulham's loyalty points system is very good or robust and most other clubs you have some sort of loyalty point things so you can tell that 
Fulham fans are, are going to be buying those tickets. You can look at purchase history and Fulham just seem to want to advertise their memberships. And if you ask me, I think there's a case of they know what they're doing and they can sell more memberships in this way. I, I, I know that's that's quite an accusation to make, but I mean, they must know what they're doing. I think I think it comes back to the point of like, why, I mean, from a totally uh, pragmatic point of view, from a business, total business point of view, though they don't get any more money by doing these things because they've already sold the ticket. They've already got their money in. Why would they spend more money to keep someone out who's already spent the money. They would only lose money by doing that. But I think that's the bus- that's the sort of business case for it. Be- you know, the customer's gone in, they've bought the thing. Why would they spend money sort of, you know, trying to sort of stop that person from using it? Uh, but obviously, we don't operate in that business world. It's a football club. Football clubs should be operated differently. They should be operated with the largest stakeholder values in mind. And that's probably the trade-off that they're thinking about. And, you know, we want them to put more effort in to make sure that, as the club have said in the past, they would love to see Craven Cottage filled with as many Fulham fans as possible. That's the message. That's not what they're doing. I don't want to go down this rabbit warren for too long, but just on loyalty points with memberships, if you're someone who is a ticket out, who has a membership and you've managed to get away with it for a while, you'll have loyalty points as well so it's not necessarily a fail safe um you know this is it is all very challenging and difficult this thing about away fans it's easy it's harder than it is than we sometimes think i think to try to keep away fans out of home areas um but the fundamental point is in a year's time we're going to have the highest capacity we've had in modern times to try to sell and that is a very different proposition to this season i would have only have hoped that actually the club would have looked at ticketing this season as a run into what you need to do for next season to get to that point where we have, you know, out of the 29 and a bit thousand or 28 and a bit thousand capacity, 25, 26,000 Fulham fans for as many games as possible, whatever division we're in. Because that ultimately, you don't build a stand to have it empty, you know? So that's where we've got to get to. And that's where I hope we can still help to persuade and conjole um, the club to get to in the approach they take, not just for next season, but also for some of the games, some of the high profile games the rest of this season. Uh, Archie, any final thoughts just on this? Where would you like uh, to be maybe in, let's say, a year's time um, on on this issue? What would be satisfactory resolution that you might at least um, start to feel some pride again in in your football club? That the club would listen, that the club would admit they've made mistakes. I just hope that, I just hope people... And by people, I mean Fulham fans here listening to this. I hope they grasp the bigger picture here and how important it is to punch up and not down. I've seen one or two having a go at the Supporters Trust. And as somebody who has been at those meetings, I know how obtuse the club can be. I know how obtuse our dear CEO, Alistair McIntosh, of 14 years, can be. And frankly, It's not good enough, given the amount of time that he's been at the club for, how he can let this happen if he's meant to care about this football club as much as I would like to think a CEO in his position would do. And I would call on fans to to make sure that 
we push in the right direction against those who are responsible for these decisions. Don't have a go at the ticketing department directly. They're not to blame for this. Quite evidently, they don't hold they don't hold the keys to this situation. But voice your concern at the stadium, outside the stadium, when you go. Emails are not going to be enough here, I fear. And the club needs to be taken to task on this. I'm glad that there are people like Tom involved in this who have experience with with dealing with these kind of situations and that that gives me hope and the thing i hope for sammy is that, that there are lower ticket prices because the, a football club is 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 not defined by its results on the pitch alone it is defined by its fans and it is currently saying that our fans should only be in the future a certain group of people and that is not right and i hope that in the future fulham can be what i grew up with fulham feeling like as inclusive an environment as possible right on and there's funnily enough i thought that now's podcast would be enough to get into all the minutiae of this detail but actually there's there's so much here that could be dug out i imagine we could have gone for two hours on on this topic i imagine that there will be plenty more discussion as the season goes on as more ticket prices are revealed uh keep in touch with the fst um sign up to the fst if you haven't already Uh, just go to the fulham supporters trust website the more people that are in the fulham supporters trust uh the better on this um and fingers crossed there will be some positive solutions. My hope is that, as Tom said, the club was shocked by the reaction. Maybe they can take the easy win here and they have the position right now with these next two games to suddenly take the high road and charge reasonable prices for that Brentford and Brighton game. And maybe it will be because they've buckled to pressure. But if that's the case, well done. You win still and we'll give you the plaudits that hopefully you deserve if that happens. But we shall see in the coming days and weeks um, what the future is on this ticket price issue. And we'll continue to bang the drum here at Fulhamish. We don't always bang it perfectly. I know that people give a stick in some ways for how we approach the ticket price issue. Yes, it's noisy. Yes, it's not always perfect, but hopefully you know that our hearts are in the right place on this. And um, I hope you've enjoyed uh, today's podcast. Uh, Thank you so much to all my guests today. Tom Gretchen, Chair of the Fulham Sports Trust. Thank you. Thank you, Sonny. Archie, thank you. Thank you. Hopefully we'll get you on another pod soon. I hope so too. And Farrell, thank you. Thank you. I, I, I enjoyed being the uh, a supporter of the one of the most expensive football clubs in the country now. Isn't that great? Cheeseboard FC. <laughs> yeah, maybe the cheeseboard thing is what uh, went to their heads. They saw the cheeseboard and thought, oh, maybe we can charge these prices. <laughs> Did Fulham sell too many cheeseboards? I can't wait for the Fulhamish opinion piece on that. <laughs> or how many cheeseboards do you need to sell to reduce ticket prices? By the <laughs> <laughs> Maths question, five marks. <laughs> I really want the annual report now to have like a separate line for like match day revenue, <laughs> cheese board sales. <laughs> they could have charged cheaper prices for how many cheese boards they sold in the summer. That was the solution. It was right there in their faces yeah, and we missed crazy. it. 
an absolute stinker. Right, have a lovely start of your week. Uh, we'll be back on the Thursday Club with reaction to Fulham's tour in Portugal and the latest transfer news. But until then, have a good one. Come on, you whites. Right.